glad you could make it for the graduation today. And if anyone was here last week, you know the weather is great today compared to then. We're all here and dry. So thank the Lord for that. A little overcast so it stays cooler. If you would, join me in prayer to open the service. Lord, we thank you for today and uh, all that it marks, uh, not just the glorious weather, but a chance to look back on uh, 18 years and all that's been accomplished in the ways that you have worked in the life of Joel Kunwelgi. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless this day as we celebrate what you've done. Thank you. Amen. child and sixth son born to Randy and Julie Krenwelgi on February 26, 2005. He was taken nine weeks early due to an emergency physical situation that put mom and the baby's lives at high risk. God made every provision for Joel and with very few complications he came home early a few weeks later. Over the years Joel has enjoyed being uncle to his nieces and nephews and loves to play with them and help care for them. He has a strong love of sports and could quote exhaustive trivia facts about many athletes and teams from a very young age. Joel has been working at Chick-fil-A for two years and is praying about where God will lead him next. He's chosen his life verse as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, excuse me, should not perish but have everlasting life. speaker for your graduation, Joel, and I asked him to give me something to say because I knew he would not want to do that, so it's awkward when someone asks you to write your own bio. So he didn't write it, he just gave me a couple ideas, and I think it's kind of interesting, but our speaker, uh, his homeschooling journey began about 24 years ago when he married a homeschooler. For 22 years, he has helped her with homeschooling their seven children. Both him and his wife share a passion for encouraging other homeschoolers to make seeking first the kingdom of God and righteousness the foundation of their homeschool. Um, he's also, and he didn't put this on there, but he's also an author of a book called Ordinary Homeschool Dad, which I have a copy of. And he's the husband of Ruth Adams, Mr. Matt Adams. So come on up. Thank you. Well, thank you all again for, uh, for coming to our 2023 homeschool graduation. It is a real privilege to be able to share with you this afternoon. Let's begin by going to the source of truth, the infallible word of God. If you will turn with me to James, the epistle to James chapter 1, I'm going to read Verses 2 to 12. Since my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, 
that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not. And it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because he is he because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love them, love him. James 1. Well, let's begin with me stating the very obvious that I think this is the smallest graduation I've ever been to. Um, if it was any smaller, the slideshow would be very boring. But I want to say, Joel, you know, don't let the fact that you are only graduate take away from the significance of this moment and the significance of what you've accomplished. It is, it is a blessing to be here and all over this city, state, country, young men and women are graduating and we're celebrating, families are celebrating what you have done. And it's not insignificant. It is, it is a great thing. It is a milestone which you will always look back on. I think all of us, if we've graduated, can look back at when we graduated. I graduated 29 years ago from Big Sandy Independent School District. There was only 25 people in my graduating class. I thought that was small. But. And I think, you know, some of y'all say, well, he's an old man. And some of y'all say, well, he's just a young whippersnapper. But we're all, in fact, I was just talking to Mr. Healan about that. Um, we have, but we all remember it, right? And, and a lot of us remember it like it was just yesterday. Um, but uh, this is a homeschool graduation. And, you know, people homeschool today for all sorts of reasons. But if you look back over the last 30, 40 years of homeschooling, when, when the movement in America really began to take off, you know, it was primarily done by Christians who took the Word of God seriously and following the command of Scripture to train up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, right? That was, that was their purpose. That's been the purpose of the church for, for many, many years. If you go back, I love studying history, and you go back all the way to the second century. There was a guy named Irenaeus, and uh, he was a disciple of Polycarp. Maybe you've heard of him, and he was a disciple of the Apostle John. Surely you've heard of him, and he wrote this. He said, it is better and brings greater benefit to be a simple, uneducated man or woman and to become akin to God through love than to be well-read and clever in our own conceited opinion and to blaspheme the God who made us by making up some imaginary God and father of our own. Fortunately, you see that a lot today, don't you? People abandoning the word of God and making up a God in their own image and committing idolatry. Joel, your, your, your mom has dedicated her life to training you up and educating you. And, you know, she deserves as much love and appreciation um, tonight and recognition as well, right? 
Well done. <clears throat>
stretch around to the back side, and there's not really even any campsites. You just pitch your tent and camp out. And so we did that. We hauled all this stuff and set up camp, and finally that night, we were like, man, we needed some stuff from the car that we didn't bring. You know, it's a lot shorter to just go over the rock instead of going around it. So we take off, and if you've ever climbed up the backside, the backside is kind of steep. And um, so we start heading up, and it starts getting, I stick my flashlight in my mouth because I'm getting where I can't hang on to anything anymore. And it just keeps getting steeper and steeper and start to slide a little bit. And so we look up, and there's a big boulder, maybe 20 feet. I think if we can just make it to that boulder, we can get behind it and we'll be safe for a minute. And so by God's grace, we keep going up and finally, finally we make it there and I stop and we rest. And I look up and I'm like, okay, there's another 20 feet to go. And so I turn around on my backside and I, I just start pushing myself up. And finally I get to where it levels out and I look back down and I'm thinking, what in the world have I done? This, I could have easily just started down the mountain and, and crashed down there. And so I, I say the only thing I can think of to my future brother-in-law, I said, come on, it's easy. Just come up here. It's not steep. And so well, anyway, he, he makes it up. And we, we had a, a moment of church just thanking God that he, we had survived. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to do serious rock climbing, uh, you, you need gear for rock climbing, right? And uh, we had no gear. We were just stupid young men not knowing what we were doing. But um, Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, it says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into, enter into that within the will, the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest at the order of Melchizedek. Christ is our anchor. And, and I brought you something. This is a little, it's a little pin with a hook on it. And that's used for rock climbing. You ever seen this? One of these? I'm, I'm going to give you one. It's a little memento. You can have it. It's kind of sticky, so watch you, you ruin your clothes. But um, this is a, it's called a piton. And what a, a piton is, is... Um, used for rock climbing. You know, if you're doing serious rock climbing, you need, you need ropes and a harness and, and carabiners. But all that doesn't do you any good unless you have a means of anchoring yourself to the rock. And that's what, that's what this is. It's a little anchor. You hammer it into the rock, and then you can run your, your rope, and um, it, it will protect you. It'll keep you from falling. Well, Psalm 18 Two says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Well, if you've, um, if you've just begun, uh, or Joel, you've just begun to climb the many mountains you're going to face in your life. And um, if you want to reach the top of any peak, whatever the Lord puts in your path, you must stay securely anchored to that rock. Jesus Christ is our rock. Our hope in Christ is rooted in the fact that we are anchored to him and he will never let us go. The closer you are to that anchor point, think about this, the closer you are to that anchor point, the safer you will be. If you're climbing a rock and you've got these pitons and it's 10 foot to the next one and you get up to that next piton, well, you have the potential to fall 
twice the length of the rope between the piton below you, right? So if you got 10 foot of rope between you and that piton, you could fall 20 feet. Well, the closer you are to Christ, the less damage can happen if you fall. In rock climbing, as you, as you climb up away from the last piton, there's always the risk of falling some distance. Um, I love what the, uh, it's the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession. It said on the doctrine of perseverance of the saints, it says, those whom God has accepted in the beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit and given the precious faith of, of his elect unto can neither totally nor finally fall from a state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved seeing that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance or without, he doesn't turn from them, from which the source he still begets and nourishes in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality. And though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock, which by faith they are fastened upon. And that rock is Jesus Christ, which you have put your faith in, and you're fastened to. So anchor yourself to that rock. Anchor yourself. Praise God that we are eternally secure in Christ. Jesus said, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given to me, but raise him up on the last day. However, sin has consequences, right? If we stray from Christ, we may fall into terrible sin and error that results in grievous consequences, just like the climber who has climbed up 10 feet and falls below. Um, with nothing to secure him, he may experience bruises and broken bones. He could get hurt. It is not so much, but he, but he, will, he won't completely fall away, right? And it's not so much that he is holding on to Christ, but Christ is holding on to him. That rock is securely gripped to the piton, and he won't let you go. So we must, we must stay close to Christ as possible. The closer the climber is to that piton, the less severe his fall will be. And the, so stay close to Christ by daily reading his word, meditating upon it, and fellowshipping with godly men who love his word and will exhort you in Christ. He is the rock and he will protect you. One other interesting thing about these is when you're, when you're climbing, so you're climbing a new rock face and you've got to install these pitons, you've got to hammer them in. And there's the means in which the rock climber knows how, um, how far to hammer this thing in is he listens. He listens to the ping. Because ever, with every blow and it goes in further, that ping gets a little bit more high pitch. So, ping, ping, ping. And he waits until he hears two pings that sound just alike in a row. And then he knows it's stopped. And he doesn't want to hammer it any further because he could end up breaking and loosening the gravel and it, and it might not be secure. In the same way, we must listen to the truth of God's word and not be swept away by false teachers. There is only one way to be securely anchored to Christ and that is through faith in him. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among which men must be saved. 
Likewise, Titus 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by, by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. He washed us by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus, our Savior. There's only one way to be anchored to Christ, and that is through faith in him. We must believe that he died in our place, paying for our sin on the cross. No amount of works, prayers, good deeds, money can secure our place in heaven. Only true, sincere faith in Jesus Christ. And I ask, if you haven't put your faith in him today, put your faith in him. Anchor yourself to the rock. But you know, the Bible is full of commands also in how we should live, right? It's the gospel that saves us, but, uh, you know, there are instructions that are pleasing to the Lord for us to follow, right? And uh, when we, as believers, we, we disobey in God's mercy, oftentimes he'll, he'll correct us to bring him back to himself. He loves us. You know, I remember struggling with pride and arrogance. I remember when I was about to, my senior year, I'm about to graduate, and almost done with this engineering degree, and people start thinking you're smarter than you really are just because you've accomplished this engineering degree, or, you know, say, oh, you're going to get a good job, and so you start thinking, oh, I'm going to finally have some money in life, and, uh, well, my senior year, you'd think I would learn the lesson the first time. Here I am, about to graduate, and again, halfway through the semester, I'm flunking all my, my engineering courses again. Like, what? I thought I learned this lesson the first time, and I'd moved on to the, the campus at that time, and I remember I'd flunked something, and I head to my room, and I just like, Lord, show me something. I just, I opened my Bible, and I happened to open up to Jeremiah 9, and I begin to read in verse 23. It says, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, or boast. He said, boast in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And I, I realized, I learned the lesson all over again. And I just, I stopped there and said, Lord, help me. You know, I'm full of pride. If I'm able to finish this degree, it's a gift from God. And, uh, and the Lord allowed me to do it. You know, he turned my heart right then. And he somehow... When my heart turned, my grades turned. It's odd how that works. But God is good. And I wanted, I wanted to also just say one other thing. To remember what um, that verse in James we read about the trying of your faith. You will be tried. You'll be tried. And sometimes the trial may be an attack on your, your very faith that you have. You know, I've, I've seen so many young people, young people raised in, in homeschool, conservative homes that end up just walking away from the faith. And, you know, you, you wonder what happened. Did that faith never truly take hold? Um, was it because they, they started hearing things that contradicted what they'd learned and they didn't have a good answer? And that happens. That happens a lot. And um, so be careful as you're confronted with ideas that contradict the Word of God and challenge what you believe about your faith about Christianity. Don't let it shake you. 
because you know what? I promise there are good answers. I have another little story. I was back to my college days again. I'm in the lunchroom, and I'm, I'm eating something, and somehow I get in a debate. I don't, I don't know how this happened to me, but it's about different denominations and why some denominations were going very liberal and what they believed and denying the Word of God. And for some reason, a crowd starts gathering around, and more and more people are trying to tell me I'm wrong. And I see a couple of guys kind of at the back of this little group. One of them, I see him look at his buddy, and he goes, hey, watch this. And I, I read his lips. And he goes, hey, he says, did you know the word hell is not even in the Bible? And that kind of shocked me. And I did not immediately even know what to say. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure about that, but let me, let me look at that and get back to you on that. And it kind of burst his bubble because he really wanted to evoke some kind of reaction out of me. If I had just thought two seconds, I could have said, well, duh. I mean, the English language didn't exist when the Bible was written. So of course, the English word hell wasn't there, but guess what? The word Gehenna, which is a Greek word for a place of burning fire. Yeah, that's in the Bible. And the Bible very clearly speaks of hell as eternal punishment for those who have not put their faith in him. So be careful. People will say things, but don't let that rattle you. You know what? Find people that can answer your question. You can come find me anytime. Because we must hold the truth. We must hold fast to the truth. Scripture is so full. Matthew 14, 32, it says, And when they came, and they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. That's a truth you can hang on. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. John 1 speaks of Jesus being full of grace and truth. The grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 8 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 40. But now see, Jesus saying, But now you seek to kill me, a man who hath told you the truth. He went on to say the reason they didn't believe him is because they were of the devil, and there's no truth in the devil. And that is why they didn't believe him, because they didn't believe the truth. The Holy Spirit in John 16 is called the Spirit of Truth. John 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then you get to Romans, Romans 1. You see a description of where we are today. It says they exchanged the truth for a lie. They exchanged God's ordained order for men and women for a lie. That's what Romans 1 is all about. So again, if you hear something that contradicts what you know to be truth, step back and think, you know what? There's an answer for this. I just need to find it. And I'm going to find that answer and go seek out somebody who can, who can answer that because the truth will stand. And so just in, in conclusion, as I wrap this up, I just want to remind you, anchor yourself to Christ. Listen to the ping in God's word. Seek to obey it and honor God with your life that you may be blessed. And recognize that you will be tried. Many trials will come your ways, all sorts. But seek out the truth that's in God's word and cling to it. Congratulations, Joel. Well done. You've done a good job. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your truth, and I pray that we would all cling to it, for you are good, and your love endures forever, and we just give you all the praise and glory, in Jesus' name.
Well, amen. That's exciting. You know, may I just insert this? You told a few stories. I'll just tell a quick one. Uh, my graduating class was extremely small because I didn't get to attend it. My grades were so bad that they mailed me my certificate in the mail. And they misspelled my name. They put Roddy, R-O-D-D-I-E, Hovey. And that's not my name. But I was just glad to get anything at that point. And I did join the military. And I got saved in boot camp. Because, <laughs> and so I left home because I didn't want my parents telling me what to do. So I went to the Navy and ended up in Vietnam. And I had a whole career of people telling me what to do. So, but God used that to change my life. And I wouldn't be standing here today apart from knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And I, I met him in boot camp. So it's really special. And uh, Matt, we appreciate it. Joel, we're excited for you. Look forward to watching your journey down the road. It's going to be exciting. See how God uh, uses you. <clears throat> so let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, just the power of your word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and how uh, how simple it is to believe, but how difficult it is for some people to admit they're sinners and they need a Savior. And I pray today that if there's anyone in this room today, Father, that you would convict them and help them to realize they're one heartbeat away from all eternity in hell. And I pray, Father, that because of uh, the day in, that we live in and the world that we live in where people really have no fear of death, they have no fear of God, and they're just out to do their own thing. I pray that you would break that spirit uh, today in anyone that's here that has a rebellious heart toward you, that you would help them to recognize their need of a Savior before it's too late. And we thank you for Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood, and uh, sacrificing his life and making a payment, the payment, the only payment, that we'd have eternal life with you. We are so grateful. We love you, Father. And thank you so much for loving us the way you do, by demonstrating your love, by letting Jesus die on Calvary for each one of us and, and rising the third day from that uh, tomb. So we thank you, praise you, and love you. Thank you for Joel. Pray for his, his future. And we look forward to good days ahead for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, folks, I'd like to present the graduating class of 2023 from Northbelt Baptist Church. Listen, we've never really been big on numbers, so you just go ahead. This is great. We're glad that you... And what a display back here. I love that. That's, that's gorgeous. All right, so before we actually say, now you're all invited to uh, the reception, we would like to acknowledge something very special. And that something very special is a person. And her name is Julie. And she has done something that a lot of people 
have not been able to do in life. In fact, a lot of people brag, I homeschooled my one child. She's homeschooled 10 children. And we felt like, and it was brought to our attention, I wish I'd thought about it, but it wasn't me, but it was another family, said, could we honor and recognize her today? So folks, why don't you present those roses, the flowers there to Julie, and we want to stand and give her a big standing ovation for her job that she's done raising these kids. Congratulations. You know, I don't know how you feel. Folks, it's kind of a standing joke around here. Sunday night, I kind of get real loose because I say it's Sunday night. You know, I don't know how you feel right now, but I'd feel kind of excited and, you know, and like, whoa, the burden has been lifted off me. But anyway, thank you so much, Julie. We've, we've admired you every step of the way and watched God using you. And, and it's been really, really an encouragement and such an example of God's faithfulness and your determination to do what you've done. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're invited to the reception uh, that is in the gym, and you are officially dismissed. Thank you.